Hello! Today we have a very special episode. We have a replay from one of the previous cyber marketing cons, the conference held on by the Cybersecurity Marketing Society for cybersecurity marketers and by cybersecurity marketers. We hope to see you in Austin, Texas this year at Cyber Marketing Con 2023. Mark those calendars and get those tickets. December 10th through 13th is going to be an amazing couple days is full of education, the best speakers around, hands-on workshops, networking, 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 and of course, some patented cybersecurity marketing society fun. You gotta come and Maria and I cannot wait to see you. Enjoy this episode and see you in Austin in December. Okay, I think I got everybody. So we are so excited to have the very famous, very wonderful, amazing, creative Trisha Howard, aka Trisha Kicksass, here with us today to lead this amazing workshop. It's okay to be funny, even in marketing. So Trisha is a theater major and a startup comedian turned cybersecurity marketer. And basically the, the focus of this workshop is how to make your cybersecurity marketing a little more fun. And I am going to let Trisha kick off. Thanks so much, Trisha. Hey, thank you so much. Um, I'm really excited to be here and talking with all of you people. So I'm going to share, um, I have a quick, like, I promise I'll keep this as brief as I can because I hate slide share. Just kind of going through a little bit of why I pulled this together and some basics on, on comedy that will be helpful. And then I hope you brought your ideas uh, to actually workshop a, a campaign or something and get something actually that you can take out of this. That's the, that's the idea. So uh, let me just share real quick. Also, I do burst out into song sometimes, so I'm going to apologize, but I'm not really sorry about it. Okay. The reason I titled this, It's Okay to Be Funny, is because I'm going to be completely candid. I think a lot of the time we as marketers in, in cybersecurity, which is a super serious industry, tend to be more reserved. And what ends up happening is we're boring. And I have met a lot of marketers in my life and not many of them are boring. So um, this is all about like giving you permission to really just let your comedy flag fly. Uh, my name is Trisha Howard, as Gianna mentioned, uh, aka Trisha Kicks SaaS online, and I am the content marketing manager at Gardacore, which is a fancy way of saying I write a lot, I do a lot of video, and I run organic social media. So what am I doing here? Uh, what a question. This is not only metaphorically uh, what I'm doing in cybersecurity, but also what I'm literally doing here. I got into the industry on accident. Um, I'm an artist by trade, theater major, as Jana mentioned, uh, and fell into uh, into stand-up uh, later in life because I was traveling too much. But I fell into cybersecurity even even more on accident, and I became an influencer. And I, I use it in that like weird term because there are different types of influencers out there, and it was just kind of funny that this artist who knows could barely use her phone uh, when I got into this industry kind of became a talking head for cybersecurity. And I bring it on here because this is a, a big part of my talk that will be happening later. Uh, is we're going to kind of dive into this a lot more, but using your background into into what you do right now is uh, is super super important. That's me at the Comedy Cellar. That's why I'm literally here because I love stand up and uh, there are. Some some things that I learned uh, that really helped me be a better marketer, honestly, through doing stand-up. Highly recommend if you can to take an improv or something class. It will help you so much as 
as a marketer, trust me. Okay, so David, tell us, what is Content Workshop and how is it different than other agencies? Well, Content Workshop is a storytelling agency and we take storytelling seriously. We help brands tell their story effectively with specific marketing and business goals as the root. And we're not here telling stories for story's sake, although that sounds like fun. Maybe we should do that as well. We're here to tell stories to meet business goals. We work with small and overworked marketing teams in the cyber industry use storytelling to reach business goals. That's it, that's what we do. As far as how we're different from other agencies, that's for everybody else to decide. I think we are great, but we hire people with master's degrees in storytelling. We spend a lot of time on the strategy of content and we look at outcomes. Learn more about Content Workshop storytelling services for cybersecurity companies at contentworkshop.com. So what are we going to do? Um, we're going to talk a little bit about knowing your audience. If you do join my talk later, uh, we'll be diving into this, this little pillar here quite a bit. So I'll touch on it here. Then we're going to talk about, you know, the comedy stuff and then we'll actively work. So let's talk about our buyer, right? They're an interesting uh, specimen. They're under constant stress. They're getting a ton of information that may or may not be true. And really there are no BS types uh, as, a, as a typical, just not even persona, just as a person. They, they're getting a constant barrage of media, constant barrage of negativity, honestly. And so we have in the idea of like spicing it up, we can't we can't be talking to them in like marketing terms because they don't care. Uh, they hear so much of it. We have to pull through it. And a way to do this is actually understand who they are. You can't market to an audience you aren't a part of. And I bring this in not like like very literally. We can talk about it at a high level, and I'm not saying that you need to actually like learn how to code or whatever. If you want to, that's super great, but that's not what I'm saying. Being part of your community and being part of your audience will not only help you as a marketer, but it will definitely help you when we're talking about comedy. When you think about some of the comedians that are super prolific, one of the things that you'll always feel when you watch them is, wow, I've been there. I, I've been there. I get that. That makes sense. Whatever. If one person in the audience says that in your set, you've won because you are, you are talking to them in their language and you are creating a connection with them that you genuinely can't have unless you, uh, unless you are part of the community. So all of this, I'm, I'm teasing a little bit. This is what uh, will be happening at 430. I'm going to dive into this quite a bit, but it's very important when we're talking about joke writing. And it's very important because if we don't understand what they would think is funny, then you end up kind of like looking down on them or seeming out of touch or whatever. I call it the six degrees of Kevin Bacon audience feedback, right? So you talk to a marketer who talked to a marketer who talked to a marketer who talked to somebody in the industry. And when you're talking about comedy, you really need to be directly at the source uh, or otherwise your jokes just absolutely will not land. You're an expert too. I'm going to hit on this like several times. Please don't forget that when you talk about being part of the community, it's like, oh, well, I'm in marketing and the community thinks that we're dumb and blah, blah, blah. Some of them do. Some people are just rude. But the ones who are actually really part of it know that we're experts. And if you can connect with them in a way which humor helps a lot with, uh, you will not be seen as a marketer. You'll be seen as part of the community. All right. So let's do the types of jokes. I promised I was going to move through this quick. 
I'm going to focus on three types of jokes today for the uh, for the workshop, just because like talking about a bunch of them would get super messy and whatever. But the three I want to talk about is puns, one liners and memes. Um, I'm going to start at the bottom with memes because I think most of us are are pretty familiar with creating them. Or if you're not, uh, you can be They're They're pretty easy to do. So the things that about memes that I will say they're super, super great. And if you run, you know, social or work on social at all, you you've seen this like firsthand, but they're super great. The only problem with memes is uh, they're very time sensitive. So if you want to, if you're going to start like implementing memes in your program, uh, definitely look at your uh, approval process internally and make sure that you have, you can like move quickly because there's like nothing more out of touch than like seeing a meme that was viral like a week ago pop up again. <laughs> but they're super fun and they're super easy to do. Um, they're easy to make and uh, they, they communicate like they already have a framework stuck for them. So this is like super, super like helpful for whatever. Don't be afraid to use memes. Uh, people really, especially in InfoSec, they just love it. One-liners. Uh, now I'm going to kind of talk about puns and one-liners together. I, I tend to do what myriad of them, which is pun liners, I call them, which is taking a one-liner joke and adding a pun onto it. There is a big difference though between puns and one-liners. Uh, puns don't have to be a joke, right? One-liners follow a very simple or uh, the typical like joke structure, right? Which we're going to get to in the next slide. But puns don't have to be a joke. That omelet was excellent as a sentence. That's not a joke. But when you put in egg, now it's like, oh, that's cute, right? And why, why does this work? <laughs> this works because as I mentioned before, when you understand your buyer and they're constantly stressed and whatever, one of the best ways to, to release or like catharsis is to laugh. That's like one of the best ways. They say that the the two things it, back in my theater days, the Greek theaters, uh, some of them would say, yeah, the only way to really achieve catharsis is to cry it out, whatever, Socrates. But actually like making people laugh is even stronger, right? And if you can do that, you can really connect with them. And this is also where with the puns in particular and, and one-liners, when you understand the community and you understand the kinds of jokes that they are saying and all that kind of stuff, you can mimic what they're doing and honestly take a lot of them. Um, a lot of jokes are honestly just stolen content, just like memes. Uh, so that's fine. Don't shy away from that. So anatomy of a joke. I know I'm pushing through this really fast. It's because I want to make sure we have plenty of time to actually work. So apologize if I'm speaking too quickly. The anatomy of joke and the rule of three. We'll start with the anatomy of a joke. You have the subject, you have the setup, and you have the punchline. The punchline, I think we can all re relatively understand. That's what we would pretty much consider the joke. But the setup and subject can sometimes get confused. So I do want to touch on this for a second. The subject of the joke is the target of the joke. It's not necessarily what the joke's about. It's who the joke is making fun of. So like, for instance, if I were to say something like, you know, I hear all the time that cybersecurity marketers are dumb, right? <laughs> At least that's what I hear from all the people clicking on my ads. So the subject of the joke is not me. It is not the cybersecurity marketers. The subject of the joke, which is the target, are the people that like to say marketers are dumb and then still fall for every single trick in the book, right? So the setup would actually be uh, the marketers and myself. So I just really be careful with this because especially if you're making some sort of observational joke, 
uh, the subject can get misconstrued, as we've seen <laughs> from some uh, some racy comedians in the past. Uh, so be be very careful. And on the rule of three, everything happens in threes. And there's a lot that you can do with threes. So of course, one is an anomaly, two is a coincidence, and three is a pattern. So we are kind of like everything is in threes. Lions, tigers, and bears, oh my, we can all recognize that. So uh, not only is the joke structure a three, but also if you're making any sort of like lists or whatever, it's usually one, two, three. That's super, super important when we're talking about comedy. Okay, let's do it. I'm going to stop sharing here. Before we jump into the work, work bit, do are there any questions? Okay. Oh, also one thing I forgot to mention on puns, because uh, I'm a big pun queen. All puns are, and one-liners, they're literally just pattern recognition. So I get asked all the times, like, how did you come up with that so fast? We're marketers. We literally deal in patterns all the time. So if you see the word like run and ran, our brain recognizes those two things are similar. So it's just a matter of finding things like that. And honestly, just like any developer out there, I Google puns all the time. That's totally fine. It just matters like how you make it in there. Okay. Uh, if there are no questions... What I would like to do is I want somebody to throw out maybe a campaign that they're working on or an idea for like a, some sort of subject that we can all as a think tank come in and say, how can we make this funny? Ransomware. It's not I funny, but it. you got to find a way. I knew it. I knew it was going to be ransomware. Yeah. So phishing is all another really good one. We can jump on that. Okay. So ransomware. The creative process, of course, is different for everybody. Um, I'm going to kind of lead you through how I typically go when I'm thinking about things, but please like jump in. So ransomware first, the word itself, ransomware. What kind of puns can we make on the word ransomware? Tupperware. Tupperware. Cool. I'm going to write all of these down. Actually, let me put, pull up a word and then I'll just share my screen. Tupperware, Tupperware. Anything we actually else? did a skit on that ransomware over the rainbow. Love this. That is incredible. That is perfect. Um, <laughs> okay, so we have Tupperware. We have Ransomware over the rainbow. That's a really funny one. Anything else while my computer is taking 500 years to do what it should do? Sounds pretty weird as my other could do a lot with the cartoons holding someone for ransom. Oh, okay. So let's do that, right? So um, here's, a, here's, a good, here's a really good one. And it's in the, in the chat. I imagine cartoons holding someone for ransom. So this is really good. I always start creatively with free association. And that literally means I just sit in front of my computer, put on some type of music and uh, whatever mood I'm in that day. And I'm like, all right, what, what like word association, right? Like we just did. So ransomware, what came out of that? We had Tupperware, ransomware over the, <laughs> that's really funny. And uh, cartoons holding someone for ransom. So let, I'm going to jump on the cartoon thing. So one of the, uh, we can all understand cartoons. You know, it's a big part of at least my childhood, I would assume a lot of people or your kid's childhood, if that's something that you do. And so you're playing on this idea of, uh, this kind of falls into parody, which is like my jam. So thank you for uh, Hunter. I could not have paid you to do something like that. Uh, for ransom. So let's think about the typical cartoon where you would have somebody there. Give me a visual. So like, what does our character look like? Who's, who's, we're going to personify this idea of, of data, right? So data is the person that is being like held captive, right? What does that look like? Pirate holding someone captive. Pirate holding someone captive. Why pirate? Because they typically 
holds things. I mean, they steal ships and hold a crew and all sorts of things like that. Mm -hmm. and, you know, use them. Sure. Okay. So I keep thinking do of, um, oh, sorry, Trisha. No, of please. A little hooded figure with a striped sweater just holding someone captive in a bank or something. That's where my head's going right now. Okay. That's what I was thinking, too. Is there a way to make fun of, like, that hoodie hacker visual that everyone yes. uses? I, I'm really loving this. Yes. Okay. The whippy, um, Sarah. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. So this is something I'm, I'm really glad this came up already. Uh, we, as a, as an industry, like take ourselves entirely too bloody seriously, right? Like honestly, and, and we're really bad about it, honestly, as marketers in particular, because it's like, oh my gosh, we have to be so serious all that time. No, we don't. We absolutely bloody don't. Cause I tell you what the community does and they make fun of themselves all the time. And one of the things that is great is how annoyed people get when it's like, oh, I've got the hacker. I got my hoodie on. I'm ready to get in the dark and do nothing. They're not gremlins, they're people. So love this idea of playing on the, the hooded figure. So that is really, really funny. So what does data look like though? Cause we're going to, so we have the, we have the person who's holding them captive. What does data look like? No bad ideas, right? Like just shout out. None. Whatever. Absolutely. Okay. Nope. I mean, vaccine cards, social data looks like the picture on your wall. <laughs> Sorry, there were, I heard like social. What about a date? Like a date, like a prune crumpled up. Yes, here we go. Yes, exactly. Okay, love that. Um, so what does data look like? Um, data from Star Trek. There we go. Oh, love that, love that. Love that. Um, okay. Or, or from Goonies. What's that? Or data from Goonies. Okay, perfect, perfect, perfect. So do we want data? Uh, am I getting the vibe? Do we want data to look kind of strong? Do we want to look, have data look kind of lame? Do we want, do you see what I'm saying here? So, so this is what, what you're trying to do is say, okay, we're playing on this whole idea of good versus evil, ultimately, which we do a lot in security. How can we make it funny? If the attacker looks too like, bleh, then how is data going to look? How do we, what are we, what are we trying to say here? Does that make sense? I think that we can make it kind of, since data is such a precious thing, maybe yes. I'm thinking of like a little baby that you're like just a protect and, you know, you oh, don't it's want a little puppy <laughs> or a puppy. Yeah. Something like that. Something super cute that doesn't involve gems. Cause we love to talk about the crown jewels. Okay, great. I love this idea. So this really puts out, so let's take, so we take ransomware uh, which is this hooded figure in a, in a, in a, I love the whole striped shirt. I don't know why I'm like really like holding on to the striped shirt. And then uh, it's holding down. We'll go with, we'll go with baby. I like baby. Okay, great. What does the rest of the world look like here? Are we on a railroad tracks? Are we playing like the melodrama angle? Are we going to do it like pulling it from somebody's home maybe? Well, if you do the pirate thing, you're in a, in a ship in the ocean. Ship, sure. Yep. Or there could be wolves everywhere just kind of sniffing around for a way. Mm. You put wolves on the ship. Could put wolves on a ship. Or make wolf sharks. Sorry, don't be quiet. <laughs> wolf sharks! 
Oh, okay. <laughs> Sharknado. I'll be giving all of these notes out to everybody when I'm done. Awesome. So I really like this. So what we're doing like right now, this really sets a tone, right? People are coming in. It's bright. I'm assuming it's bright. People are like, okay, awesome. So what are we trying to say? Are we trying to say that? What do we want the, the end of the joke to be? What do we want the punchline of this joke to be? Baby is holding the guy for ransom instead. Ah, the good old bait and switch. I love me some bait and switch jokes. Okay, baby is holding him for ransom. How about the dingo ate my baby or something? <laughs> I don't know if you guys get that. Oh my gosh, that's grand. Okay, dingo hate my baby. Come on, anybody else? I'm thinking some of like... <laughs> The Harry Potter, like the chosen one, the baby's the chosen one because he has the security infrastructure in place and he cannot be taken. Talk about a horcrux in my room. Okay. Maybe in a playpen where it's protected. Like this imagery a lot. I'm just imagining this this baby like with this rattle that's just like shoots out a magic like ransomware kryptonite. It's hilarious. Okay. Um, Trisha, are you, do you want to share your screen? Someone yep. in the audience said that they're, they'd love sure. to see it. Sure. It is just a Word document with me writing down everyone's ideas. I will share this now. We're good. Is there something oh. with a, like a baby monitor that would detect the intrusion? Love this. Also thinking a baby and a walker, you know how they can spin around mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it's like protecting itself because it's able to move quickly. Ah, now that's an interesting point, protecting themselves. What about the baby pooped his pants and the hacker doesn't want him anymore? <laughs> I love this. Okay, okay. The hacker's moving on because the baby pooped his pants. Loving, oh, okay, okay. Whew. Let's jump on this. Hi there, my name is Sean Madsen and I head up digital strategy at Checkpoint Software. We use Hushly as our primary demand platform. We use it to remove gates, we use it for our landing pages, and we use it for our resource hub. And it has improved our conversion rate by 5x. Of course, we all talk about this and I just did a webinar on this actually just the other day. There are so many businesses out there, right? And if an attacker is having to work too hard, then they won't want to do that. So this is actually really funny. And you could take in this idea, you could even, oh, this could, this, this would be one of those things that maybe the subject is a little bit misplaced, but um, you yeah. could do it where the, like, even the parents are ransomware, right? And the parents are, what have I done? How have I gotten into this? Like they're the, oh, they're you the ransomware gang. You could hold up the bad guy is holding up a diaper and got us like holding his nose type mm -hmm. of thing like ooh yep and then you can connect ransomware with underwear somehow because hey hey now here Brilliant. we we are going <laughs> all right okay uh oh that is really funny loving that that is great cool so we have our setting we have this from a tactical perspective right there are a ton that you have here. You could pull out a ton of tweets. You could pull out a video, obviously it would be the funniest thing. Even ransom underwear, which is actually ties in, somebody said phishing and cybersecurity earlier. There's this running joke that's like, oh, passwords uh, shouldn't, or treat your passwords like your underwear. Um, it, you shouldn't keep them on for a certain time and they shouldn't stick to the wall or something along those lines. So you can- And don't share them. <laughs> And don't share them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That could be actually really funny. Anything else? Do we want to stick on? Uh, okay, so let's try and let's try and write a 
like a one-liner. We have a pun. We got a pun. Let's try and see if we can get a one-liner out of this. I really like this idea here that people are able to protect themselves if they just recognize what's around them and what they have available. Here's the thing about comedy. Sometimes the harder that you try to be funny, the less funny you are. Um, humans are kind of ridiculous on their own and, and information security. Just get on InfoSec Twitter. You'll see how ridiculous this industry is. People like, like we like to make fun of ourselves. So sometimes just saying it like straight out um, is, is actually really funny. So I like parody a lot. I, I could just imagine this you know, your traditional like commercial where it's like seemingly very serious, like that like Brinks home security level of serious type of commercial. And it's just like, this would be great for like insider threat. Think going on the idea that the baby's actually the attacker. You could do this whole thing where like, um, it's like, you know, we are here to protect you from the inside. And then it's like this baby, like holding a rattle. That's actually some super powerful, all knowing being. I also really like the imagery of the baby being ransomware um, because we love to talk about it uh, so much, but honestly, <laughs> there's so many other threats that are bigger than ransomware. We just, this one's shiny right now. <laughs> That's great. Anybody else? We want to try another, uh, try another topic. So Trisha, like, what can we do at, like from this, right? You said, sorry, I know you said we could do like a video. We could do like, what else could we do for this? topic, like other avenues that we could take all this content and turn it into? Sure. So um, let's think about, so if we're going on the three types of jokes that we were talking about before. There's a ton of memeage here, a ton of memeage, right? So if you were to take uh, the one that's coming to mind immediately is like the old Monopoly guy, the Monopoly cards that's like go to jail free or like go to jail card, whatever, something like that, like playing on, on something that's very recognizable, which is Monopoly. And having uh, like having your data as uh, as something that's like go to go to ransomware jail or something like that. That like it doesn't have to be super complicated. When we talk about especially like memeage, if your initial reaction was these things, then more than likely somebody else is going to have that initial reaction. So you try and find things that are common. Like when you free associate, like what images come to mind immediately when the striped shirt thing. It was like oh monopoly, right? So like go from there. Tons of memeage. Um, I also think it could be funny, you know, the whole meme where it's like the guy and he's holding his girlfriend's hand and then it's like, he's like breaking his neck to look at the other girl. You could do something like my network is the guy, the girl is like ransomware and it could be like insider threat is like the sexy new thing. So like, there's a ton of things that you can do here. Does that answer your question? Any other ideas? I would love to hear other people. Sure, sure. Um, I just... I just see something on, on uh, LinkedIn now. Sorry, I'm looking at multiple things at once. And uh, I'm thinking about ransomware can't happen to me, says the CSO or the CEO. And then there's some kind of picture of him smiling and then some kind of picture with him in pain, not smiling or writing a check or something like that. You know, getting the checkbook out and writing a check. Oh my gosh, that is so great. Uh, ransomware can't happen to me smiles as they die same sad smile or uh same so not so happy writing a check that's really funny i love that i love that idea somebody else i always oh i i did i had a joke once uh said something along the lines of your product is as unhackable as the titanic is unsinkable so that whole uh ransomware can happen to me there's a ton you could do there 
We have a question, Trisha, yes. from the audience. Audience, if you have questions, although you're not in this vaunted, beautiful panel up here, um, feel free to drop them in in the uh, in the chat. Garrett is saying, is this type of content thought to go out on company social media accounts or individuals and influencers? Great, great question. So um, I am going to take the cop-out answer and say all of the above. It depends on what your brand allows for. So like here at Gardacore, they brought me in because they wanted more of an irreverent voice and they liked like my approach to uh, the industry. So we redid our whole brand to have their have our tone, Gardacore's tone, be very silly like this. So in that case, I would say definitely for social media accounts. I personally think they definitely service best on social, but they also do really well in direct outreach for your business development people. When in my biz dev days, I used to use memes all the time. Um, instead of writing another 5,000 word email that no one reads and we block the senders, um, I would just send a meme and be like, hey, hope you had a fun, like, I don't know if you saw this, but have like a good Friday. So that's the idea. Um, you could send them to influencers if you have the, um, relationships there or, or try and have them, you know, share them or whatever. But yeah, I would say definitely for, uh, it's definitely good on social, but it does work very well for your direct outreach as well. For everybody here, Trisha used to be in sales, actually. Yeah, I did. I did. The dark side. Trisha, what do you do with this? Okay. So we have this list of ideas, right? Yes. That mm -hmm. we built. What do we do next? Sure. So the next thing that um, after a free association that you have is you pick like the top three, right? Top three. It's best if you start with one, but we can do three because there's a ton of good stuff on here. And I'm sure every single one of us could come up with our own spin of, you know, you're going to be drawn to something. And of course, it depends on what you do uh, that you could do with it. So what I tend to do is um, I take I take the list. I pick my like, okay, I think I've got something here. And then I have a... Uh, I'll go to my team and say, I would like to do something on, on X and we will decide together typically um, what format this would work. I think it's, it's usually good to decide what tactically what you're going to do next. So like, for instance, if we were going to do the whole um, uh, cartoon, you know, like cartoon for ransom or something that lends very well to a video. So in that case, I would start to write a script for the video and circulate it and, and think on it the visual things that we came up with, uh, you know, like the, the baby, baby in a playpen or, or something like that, those are very suited for memes. So I would start looking at what memes are hot right now and, uh, and whatever. The other thing is genuinely, I have an entire note, like sticky note thing on my desktop that is just list of random ideas I have come with. And I'm like, this will work someday. This will work someday. So when you free associate, like half the battle is not what you're going to get today. It's what you're going to get like next week because some new release is going to come out and you're going to be like, oh, here we go. Or another new meme circulates and there we go. And then you have a whole bank of just hilarious ideas waiting to be done. So after you do the free association, it's very tactical. Um, decide what you, which ones you like decide um, what form you think would be best and then start actually building it and see how it evolves from there. Uh, typically, if I get a video, I will get a video, a blog, a uh, one or two memes and whatever out of it. So reuse your content, repurpose it because different mediums will be responded to differently.
I never create a piece of content that I can't do at least five things with. I, I, I don't have time to do anything other than that. Lame question maybe, but how can you no, tell sorry. what memes are like yesterday's news or which ones are trending? Cause I am not cool. I have no idea. Sure. That is not a lame question at all. Um, and it definitely depends on the, uh, the medium. So if like it's Twitter, <laughs> your memes can die in like 12 hours. Right. So it really depends on the medium. Whereas like LinkedIn, you know, it could be like a slow burn. You know what I mean? The other advantage to that is since like LinkedIn's a bit of a dinosaur, uh, you can take things that were hot on Twitter and like last week and you can, they would still, they haven't migrated over to LinkedIn yet. Right. So, uh, so that's fine. Um, as far find, as find a young cousin and just ask them, what are the cool memes nowadays? Yeah. Yeah. So I look at my meme not necessarily as like virality around the globe. I look at it very specific in cybersecurity because uh, there are some memes, like for instance, the Star Wars four panel meme was going around everywhere. You couldn't get on Twitter without seeing one. So that's just kind of obvious. Like, okay, this is like kind of big. Usually if it gets that big, um, you have like two weeks, you have like two weeks to, to come in and out of that. Um, so that's like totally fine. If it's something hyper-specific to cybersecurity, like usually what happens is some idiot says something that's really dumb. And then the rest of the community is like, I'm going to make a meme out of this. And then those you have to pick up on like pretty quick. And if you follow the right people, you'll be able to, to pick up on that. Um, but that, those typically have a shelf life of like 12 to 48 hours. Again, this is where, when we talk about memes, like response time has to be quick. Um, how often do you post memes on social media? Because it's only me <laughs> who's creating the memes. Uh, they come when I am inspired to be completely <laughs> candid. Um, if I had a team of thinkers that were, you know, working like only on like helping with, with that aspect, I would honestly mm -hmm. post memes like all the time, like multiple times and i i have repurposed memes also uh, like repurposing memes is totally fine if you create them like if i create one i'll put gardecore's logo on it if i steal it i will try and give credit if it's there if not then you just post it and say something funny about it that's going to be my question about legal and do you see companies running into situations where they may have borrowed a photo from someone else that actually created the meme but is that photo itself copyrighted by, you know, if it's from a TV show or a movie? It, I'm married to an attorney too, so I can hear him in my head too. So. Yeah, of course. That. <laughs> of course. Yeah. So um, it's the like age old issue, right? I, I think it depends on where it's being disseminated. So like if it's on social media, um, I can't speak to the legality of it because I don't, I don't know that world. I've never gotten in trouble. <laughs> I'll be honest. Like I've never gotten in trouble. I think on social it's, um, uh, it's a lot more around, like, as long as you're not making money off of it, it's usually okay. Um, if, if it's just like, you're doing something like brand awareness and for instance, like the meme templates aren't copyrighted, right? You can do whatever you want with the meme templates. It's if you're taking a meme that somebody's already created. And most of the time we've all started putting our own watermarks and our own stuff on there. So you're giving attribution just by sharing it because it's on the image itself. Trisha, I don't, I don't want to, um, you know, keep you from go continuing in your presentation, but I have a question too. Yeah. So like ROI of comedy, like, so here's an interesting, oh. or at least for me, being someone who has to orchestrate 
this and what we do in all of our activities and our marketing. You know, if we're going to start trying to be funny and put the effort into letting people have free time to think about funny things instead of just grinding away like like everyone else is, um, <laughs> what? How do you track this? What are you doing to track like how well comedy is working? That is an excellent question. I love that so much because this is kind of like the bane of my creative existence is trying to prove value. This is where social media really comes in in helpful, right? Because these are numbers that while people may not understand exactly what an impression is, or they may not understand what a, you know, whatever rate is, they do understand numbers, right? And if I can take to if I can take to my um, you know my CMO or CEO and say I spent twenty minutes putting this meme together and four hundred thousand people saw Gardecore's name, that's something that they can understand. So when we talk about um, uh, and this you know ties into the age old problem of trying to explain what brand is anyway, right? I'm fortunate. My this is my job, right? My I'm on the brand and content team, so I have baked in time to do that. Um, for <clears throat> uh, which is part of the reason I came here because that's like literally a dream, right? As far as trying to decide what the ROI is, I would say you have to test it out and you have to really, truly test it out. So dedicate like, okay, so for a month, for a month, I'm going to spend an hour a week, right? It doesn't have to be a lot. I'm going to spend an hour a week doing, you know, joke writing and I'm going to do an hour a week of joke writing and then test some of them out, right? See how it, how it compares to other posts that you've done, maybe where you're, you know, being promotional in some way, or if you want to go big, um, if you want to go big, say, all right, you know what? We have budget for a video. So I'm going to do a silly video this time. And we're going to see how many views and how many, how much stuff that gets. Uh, so that's, does that answer your question? Like it really does have to be measured and it, it has to be measured just like anything else we would in marketing as far as like where to put your time, because you might find that these events that you're spending so much time on and like and orchestrating and all this stuff is actually not anywhere near as valuable to you to clicks as your website as a stupid meme is, right? And if that's the case, then it's an aspect of shifting your time. Or you might find out that you're not as funny as you think you are. That too. But I, I it, it's, it's true. Actually, there have been a bunch of my jokes that I'm like, really? Nobody? Bueller? Like what? That was hilarious. Yeah. So it, it's, it's true. Some will land, some will not. All right, everyone, if you're looking to generate quality cybersecurity leads and opportunity pipeline for your sales team, webinars are the channel you need to be leveraging. Lead Gen webinars bring you real live audiences in your target ICP with engagement you can measure, something other channels just can't match. Actual Tech, an official lead generation partner of the Cybersecurity Marketing Society, specializes in fully turnkey cybersecurity webinar programs with CPLs far below what you're used to. Everyone, I have spent a lot of money on webinars and lead generation in the past. And I gotta say, I was really impressed with Actual Tech. I saw the results of those webinars that they've been running for cybersecurity audiences, and I was impressed with the lead quality and the lead quantity. So visit actualtechmedia.com backslash 
C-M-S, or hit today's show notes for more information. Cool. Oh yeah, there's a good point about the shelf life of uh, shelf life of memes. Yeah, you really do have to be careful of that. I will say some of them are like the gifts that keep on giving. Um, you just kind of have to wait. Like for instance, uh, we recently had a highly successful tweet that was, uh, <laughs> what's the definition of ransomware wrong answers only? The wrong answers only is the meme that keeps on giving. You just have to wait a while because it dies down and then you can bring it back and it's engagement baiting and it works every bloody time. We got like over 700 replies. Like it was huge. So um, uh, yeah, the shelf life of memes is very, is very important, especially if you're talking about with external resources and gift reply. Oh yeah, of course. Gift replies only. Fuego. Yeah. Honestly, some of the best things you can do as a content person, if you're like looking for content is asking silly questions, right? And letting the community do your job for you. This is another reason why getting to be part of the community is great. Like I will, I will tweet something like, what does CISO stand for wrong answers only? And they give me content. I'm like, oh man, this is great. And now I have a blog, right? That I can embed tweets. And now I'm interacting with influencers that I wouldn't otherwise. So you're, you know, whatever. That's, I'm, I'm tying into my top 430. I got excited. Anything else? I have a question for you. Yeah. Have you done any like A-B test or any kind of analysis to figure out which jokes work better than others or which kind of content on the I don't know, funny side? Yeah, um, kind of, uh, kind of. <laughs> it's, it's subjective. It's really highly subjective. So there are some things that are completely objective, right? Like number of impressions, number of replies and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it's more on... It would be more the structure of the joke, not the content itself. So like, for instance, the wrong answers only, like those are high, all pretty much always successful. As far as uh, types of, of content, uh, that just depends on the platform that it's being shown on, sadly. I, so I feel like that was a cop-out answer. I'm sorry, but it's true. Trisha, how closely do you follow like news headlines and trending on Twitter to make sure you're not, you know, doing something funny during a somber time or, you know, like making that mistake? Yeah. Um, that's an excellent question uh, for sure. So I have, uh, number one, I'm on Twitter all the time, uh, just because of my own presence and friends on the community. But, uh, the other angle of that is I do have a, an, an influencer management type software that runs uh, out of Twitter, particularly that shows me like what the industry is mostly talking about that I am living in all the time. Some of it is just my own personal stuff. Like I, if I'm thinking about a joke or whatever, I will double check the trending. Like before I do that, I will go to trending and be like, Hey, let's make sure like there wasn't some catastrophic event that I'm trying to be irreverent. Um, and, uh, but if, if I don't see anything that is like hugely, you know, big, uh, then I'll I'll go ahead with it. I have we have a question from Garrett. Do you have any North Star KPIs or metrics your content is tracked against for your cybersecurity work? No, I would say um, I would say for me personally, it's social media because that's what I do. Um, social media, and then of course uh, like link, uh, website visits and stuff. If it's if I actually kick to something else, I usually will have all of my like links trackable and all that stuff, but it's mostly social media metrics, which would be for me impressions and engagement rate. I think we're going to have to make, Trisha, if you share 
the ideas document because um, I know we're getting we're getting real close to time. We only yeah. have six minutes left. If you share your ideas document, uh, we'll put some memes together from the session. Let's and do we'll it. Share them with everybody at the Let's end of the session. Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> um, yeah, Gianna, would that be, uh, do you want me just to send this to you or I could, oh, I could put it in the Slack channel. What am I talking about? Yeah. If you want to throw it in yeah. the conference Slack and yeah. then, um, we'll work on getting some memes together and it'll be like, like we're all the parents, like, and these are our baby, everyone um, here on this video. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize for saying that. That was weird. Um, no, it wasn't. It's totally fine. I just, again, I can only do one thing at a time and I'm typing. So let's see. All right. My, I'm naturally very blonde. So. This isn't natural, sadly. We should work. So, Look at, how do you find a funny person to work on your team? Is that like is that oh, like a skill you can look for? I know you're a theater major, so you might say yeah. just hire theater majors. But like wow. when you're build, you know, is this is there training people can do beyond this? Um, is there yeah. a way to vet? Like, what do you think, Trisha? Hundred percent. So, uh, wow, this is like a humongous. I could talk about this for two hours, and it wouldn't be a talk. It would be me ranting about how we do not target artists enough in this industry as far as trying to recruit them and hire them over, particularly like theatrical people. We are literally, okay, sorry. I have a, uh, so, um, as far as, as far as that goes, I would say, yeah. And, and this kind of ties into, you know, something that's also very important to me which is diversity and inclusion, um, which includes uh, diversity of, of backgrounds, right. Of uh, finding, you know, maybe going to, somewhere else and, and letting an artist know, right. Hey, this is also, you know, of course there's so many creative things in marketing that, that these artists are already set up to do, and it could give them another uh, potential career path. So that's one way. Um, as far as the rest of it, I highly, I said it before and I'll say it again. I highly recommend, even if it's just for fun to take like an improv class or um, uh, a stand-up course. Uh, those stand-up courses tend to be longer and more expensive, but you can usually get like an intro uh, improv course, like one session for free, and it could actually be fun for like an outing for your team. As far as like finding people who are funny, of course, if they have some sort of social presence, that's great. You can kind of kind of see what they what their content tends to be. But um, some of the funniest people that I know are not they never try to be funny. They just exist, right? So I think everybody has it in them. It's just a matter of them thinking that they do. Oh, that sounded super kumbaya, didn't it? Yuck. That was like, we're all funny here. It, about images, how do you decide which images to use with memes if you're creating them yourself? Yeah, so you mean like which template to use? Just in general. Is there any copyright issues that you have, that you have to consider? Not just consider fair use with, with memes. Yeah, it mostly falls under um, fair use if you're using like the templates and stuff like the four part, uh, like the Star Wars one that I showed earlier, like that's just a template and then um, you can add in whatever you'd want. As far as like deciding what to do, I think it depends on it. it this also comes down to like knowing the community, understanding what the meme is. Right. So if you don't understand what the meme is, I wouldn't use it. But if you see a meme, like, for instance, for me with the Star Wars one, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. And I kept seeing it pop up and I thought it was so funny because like so many people were coming up and I was like, oh, whatever. And I was like, all right, I could throw something about micro segmentation on here. There we go. And that was it. So it, I, I tend to go on the very selfish. Did I think this was funny? Cool. Give it a go. Trisha, where can people find more about you? Because we're getting oh. close on time here. So like, yeah. I know you do a lot of funny stuff too. I know you have a channel and everything. Like, how are we going to be able to follow you on all of your socials? Sure. Um, so you can, uh, if I haven't scared you away yet, um, my, uh, 
handles on all of my socials are at Trisha Kicks SAS. That includes uh, YouTube, Twitter, uh, YouTube, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. I think I have all of those. I don't know. I re- I'm mostly active on Twitter. I do a lot of parody songs. So be prepared. Trisha does this hilarious thing where she'll read um, very bad sales emails, but she'll sing them. So they're, they're with a dramatic flair, if you've ever seen that. Um, yeah, sure. We'll have to, you know, after this, at the wrap up of the event, we'll send out email with all of your links and all of your content out to all of the attendees of Cyber Marketing Con so they can <laughs> they can see it and get inspired. Um, oh, so everybody. Thank you so much for attending this session. Um, we Trisha, by popular demand, is actually doing another session at the end of the day um, that's going to be about, um, it's going to be different. Uh, Trisha, do you want to give like a super quick on it? Yeah. So it's um, talking about connecting with the community uh, in a, to make yourself stand out in, in ways that other people are not. Exactly. Authentic connection, which will help you, of course, feed your comedy. So thanks, everybody. We're going now. Um, our next session will start in five minutes. It's going to be AJ Yon, the founder of Bite Check, talking about using a personal brand on LinkedIn and how he did that when he started his company as a, as a, as a founder um, and what that did for his company. So I'll see everyone there. Thank you so much, Trisha. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, panelists. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Bye. All right, everyone. Thanks again for listening to the Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing Podcast. I want to say again that we want to see you in Austin, Texas, December 10th through 13th. We are going to have the best time. And if you're having trouble getting approval or asking for approval, check out the letter on our website, cybermarketingconference.com. We have a template because of course we do. We're marketers. And you can use that to request to attend Cyber Marketing Con 2020 from your boss. As always, leave us five stars. And if you have any questions, send a note to podcast at cybersecuritymarketingsociety.com. Thanks, and I'll see you soon.